Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Good Monday night, everyone, here on the Wolverine.com YouTube channel. If you're watching live or in the podcast feed or on YouTube after the fact, Anthony Broom here with Clayton Safey. Uh, we're waiting on Chris Ballas. We'll see if he winds up hopping in. I know there's a lot going on schedule-wise early on this week. It is Monday, October 9th. We are into week seven of the regular season. Michigan takes on Indiana this Saturday at home. The 12 o'clock kick on Fox. I believe uh, this will be their first big noon game of the year. So kind of crazy. Uh, big noon Saturday kind of followed Michigan around all. It seemed like half of the season last year. And then now we're seven weeks in and it'll be our first visit from Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson. But a lot to get to today. Obviously in the news, the Jim Harbaugh contract stuff, of course, first reported last week by the Wolverine. We'll get into all that. We will get into Jim Harbaugh's 
Monday press conference. We will discuss some of the takeaways from the weekend that was in college football. And as we do every week, we will end the show by taking your questions. But before we get into it, Clayton, welcome back in. It's it's good to be back with you. Are you adequately rested up after your uh, burning of the midnight oil in the Twin Cities? AB, it's week seven. Nobody's 100% at this point. You got to work <laughs> through stuff. Um, you know, a couple hours of sleep on Saturday night, 6 a.m. flight, but we got to see the Lions win yesterday. But a great, great weekend in, in Minneapolis. Um, you know, Michigan obviously played extremely well. Fan base seems to be pretty happy with that. And they took over another town. I mean, by the end of the game, it was all Michigan fans down there again. They were bringing out the little brown jug. People were going crazy. Um, players were parading that thing around. And before, since it was a night game, we got a chance to to uh, hit the town a little bit, watch some games at some different establishments. There's a Buffalo Wild Wings right across from Huntington Bank Stadium. All Michigan fans to the point that the, the bar starts playing the victors, pump it up, Mr. Brightside. People are loving it, hanging out with uh, a couple buddies that uh, I have to shout out, Sam, Connor, Logan, and then Joe, who I met, a fantastic follower of the Wolverine as well. So shout out to those guys for following everything there. Joe's a great guy who uh, listens to, I think, every podcast. So um, shout out to him. But yeah, great weekend in, in Minneapolis and Michigan at the midway point undefeated. Uh, it's just uh, they're continuing their incredible run. Yeah, Minnesota nice is a real thing. I have family in Minnesota, both in the Twin Cities, about an hour north uh, in St. Cloud as well, and have ne- nothing but nothing but terrific things to say. I think it's as, one of the as PJ Fleck shows up on the screen. That's right. Uh, and again, I, I still feel like that's a body snatched version of PJ Fleck. Different face. You'll never convince me that that's the same guy. I don't know what happened there. Someone needs to to get to the bottom of it. I said that on the Saturday show too. But uh, Twin Cities are awesome. Uh, it's it gets way cold but have always had a great time there and as it turns out it seems like we're gonna be spending a little more time there in the coming years obviously big 10 basketball tournament there this spring i believe at some point the big 10 championship game will rotate there at least that's the rumor in addition to vegas and i think detroit is probably in there as well but yeah uh, good to hear that things went well uh for you and your travels uh we will maybe get some final thoughts on that game in a little bit but uh, before we get into the meat and potatoes of our show, we are a meat and potatoes podcast. Want to start with a little bit of housekeeping as we do every week. This time, shouting out our buddy Andy Ludicky over at My Perfect Franchise. Are you a displaced corporate executive or wanting to put your career in your own hands? Or are you an experienced entrepreneur wanting to diversify? Well, Andy Ludicky can help. Andy is a huge college sports fan and franchise veteran, having owned multiple franchises and businesses. Using his expertise, he helps others find their American dream through a very thorough consultation and evaluation process. So call Andy, put your life and career in your own hands. Best of all, his services are 100% free to you. So what do you have to lose? Uh, Right now is is the perfect time. Andy's got an opportunity for you. So just give him a buzz. uh, Contact him via email. Head on over to myperfectfranchise.net. You can also reach him via telephone at 404-973-9901. Shout out to Andy. Uh, let him know the Wolverine sent you, and hopefully you can find something that is a match for you in your entrepreneurial desires. So, Clayton, uh, we are in week seven now, and again, it's another one of those weeks where we don't take these weeks for granted, but it's we- the seventh week in a row where you know, you're know you wondering, 
Michigan's a big favorite again. Going to cover this big number. They're a 34.5-point favorite over Indiana. We'll get to all that when we preview the game on Thursday. But the news of the day, and really it's been the news of the last week or so, again, it was first reported by Chris Ballas of the Wolverine, is that a new contract is in the works, presumably in the next month or so, for head coach Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Ballas reported it last week. I know there's been kind of some public outcry over it, you know, wanting to make him the biggest or the highest paid coach in the Big Ten, one of the highest paid coaches in college football. And it seems like, even you know, with this NCA stuff, it's still kind of looming, but there was the self-imposed suspension. We've been saying for weeks that now is just lock him up, get it done. It doesn't have to be as complicated as it's been made. And it seems that those cries were heard. Uh, of course, Ballas reporting last week that a new contract could come sooner rather than later. Earlier today, uh, Harbaugh comments on it and says, you know, you, you just want to be somewhere where you're appreciated and you sit down with your boss. And usually that appreciation is shown in the form of a contract extension or, or a contract that's on the table. Um, so basically where we're at right now and and later on in the day, John Bacon essentially says the same thing that, that Chris has been reporting where everyone in a position of power uh, is kind of in on in alignment on getting this thing done. Ward Manuel speaks to the Detroit news and says that that is something they hope to, to finalize here shortly or make a reality, I think was his exact quote. So Clayton, after all the hubbub, it seems like we are on the speeding freight train to Jim Harbaugh being the highest paid coach in the big 10. Yeah. Well, first of all, shout out to Chris for absolutely crushing this uh, a week ahead of, of everybody, you know, including, the question asked to Jim Harbaugh on on Monday with, you know, hey, would you be open to a contract extension during the season? You know, in the past, these things have been tabled until the offseason, but this one's a little bit different because it was kind of coming ever since he decided not to take the Denver Broncos job, comes back to Michigan. It just hasn't gotten done yet, and it seemed like the NCAA investigation, them wanting to get that um, you know, wrapped up before giving him a contract to show the NCAA they're serious about it. Again, we've talked about it in the past, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. In my opinion, it seems like those in power at this point realize that as well. Jim Harbaugh wants uh, a new contract. And, and yeah, I mean, his exact words are the same ones he said in the spring where you want to be somewhere that wants you. And, you know, that's reflected in a contract. And he's always been, in my opinion, more about respect and feeling the love to use his exact terms than money but there's a way to show that respect and and love and appreciation and that's probably through money you know pretty much uh and and that's kind of it feels like where this thing is headed but yeah chris on friday adding to his wednesday report that uh you know this should be done in the next month and that's the timetable and then now reports kind of confirming that today but um yeah get it done get this thing over with and and keep moving on but Definitely, uh, definitely interesting. You know, I, I didn't know how Harbaugh was going to respond to that question today. Um, and he was a little more blunt than I thought he was going to be. And I think, you know, good on him for for doing that. And I think the Michigan fan base is, is totally behind him based on the reaction we saw coming out of that noon press conference today. Um, and, and they want to see this thing done. So it's good that Ward Manuel made that comment as well. But um, yeah, let's let's kind of see how this thing uh, unfolds here in the, in the next month. Anthony, I do want to remind people that like I said, back when you know he, he was going to have his four-game suspension agreed upon with the NCAA, there is literally always a twist with Jim Harbaugh. I'm not saying this isn't going to get done. I think it is going to, but you just never know. 
Uh, so I will throw that out there, but I think this gets resolved here in the next month and, and people are, uh, are ready to go. $1.99 super chat here from Rob, who simply says, Jim Harbaugh, there is no better coach for us. And that's hard to disagree with, right? You have one of the best head coaches at any level of the sport. One of the most accomplished head coaches at any level of the sport. Obviously he doesn't have, you know, uh, the big trophy to his name in either sport yet, but that's not the be all end all. I think in Thursday's show, we kind of talked about how, as you head into this next era of what the big Ten's going to look, not just this year. I mean, this year it's all hands on deck. It's, it's Houston or bust, right? Like that's been the rallying cry, but in this future big 10, where next year you're going to play a loaded schedule and, you know, take, even take Texas off the schedule in, in the coming years, you're going to play one of the tougher schedules in the country. Invest in the burden hand. It, it shouldn't be that complicated. Michigan football prints money, uh, you know, giving him a million dollar raise or $2 million raise, whatever it winds up being, isn't a huge ask. Uh, he deserves the respect of being one of those, the highest paid coaches in college football. And I just, it, the, the hand wringing over it has never made sense. The tentativeness from administration has never made sense. And, you know, typically when these things have come up in season, it's always, you know, we choose to sit down at the end of the season and reevaluate that. But uh, you're right. This was kind of the most proactive that maybe proactive is not the word, but it was definitely the most transparent. We've heard Jim Harbaugh on this topic. Uh, he called it a three and a half year thing, which do the math. You can kind of see where that leads back to. Um, but yeah, like, like we said before, I mean, this is, and Rob chimes in again, who says $1.99. This is worth repeating. Uh, and I assume that goes back to his initial. No, I think it goes to, I think it goes to JC's point. Uh, or no. Yeah. Rick's point here. Rick, Rick Mahler says, get the contract done now so the NFL rumors go away before recruits sign. Gives us a better shot at flips and the class of 25. I agree with that, too. Um, you know, that's why, again, next week is Michigan State week. We'll get into all that when when it's time to get there. But, you know, when you are a school like a Michigan State or or like Nebraska last year where you dismiss your coach early on in the season, you want to have a head coach in place well in advance of signing day or before signing day to not only keep those guys around, but also start building for the future. And this is obviously a different situation. Michigan has an entrenched head coach, but you know, the rumors and and the narratives are what they have been is that as long as that itch is there, that Jim Harbaugh will maybe want to scratch it, but you can also scratch that itch by paying the man what he's worth at Michigan right now. And we'll see what things look. Cause again, this seems like an inevitability. Uh, you, Clayton brought up the great point where there's always some kind of plot twist, but before you get there, I mean, like I said, uh, we'll see what that contract looks like. If, you know, buyout numbers are always something where if the buyout super low, there's something that kind of would never trigger you or, you know, stop you from going to the NFL. But I really do feel like if, if this university, this administration takes the step it needs to, to show this man the respect he deserves, because you know he's coming up on 100 wins with the program. He's done even the last two years are two of the most accomplished seasons you've had in program history. Pay the man his money, show him the respect, and I think he's gonna. I think he'll coach here until he's done coaching. Yeah, it's a great initial point by Rob. It's kind of we talked about it last week, but he's one of the best coaches in the game. He also happens to have grown up here. His dad coached here. He played here uh, and then decides to come back from the NFL. I mean, what like sometimes you lose sight of that because we're nine years removed from that. But that was an incredible month of 
you know, again, Chris Ballas was all over it here at the, at the Wolverine.com, but just following along in the people in the national media and no one in NFL circles could believe he would do what he did and decides to come back. So that shouldn't be lost on people either, but uh, I agree. There's no better coach for Michigan. You know, not only is he a great coach, but he's perfect fit for U of M. And then, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it helps recruiting. It helps, you know, just kind of get this thing settled. And then we do have, you know, kind of the question as well from JC, who says, if Harbaugh re-signs and is the highest paid coach in the Big Ten, do you still see him listening to offers in 2024 or NFL offers in 2024? I'm not willing to sit here and predict one way or the other at this no point. No man knows the all, future. No man knows the future. Is It rings true more and more by the day because and, – and really by the year when it comes to Jim Harbaugh because you can get all sorts of predictions and people reporting predictions and someone close to him says this and someone close to him says that and – this person says he won't go. This person says he would go. It's a done deal, Bruce Feldman reported, if he got an offer last year. Um, look, unless it's him telling you what it is, what's going to happen, and even then he's unpredictable, but unless it's him telling you, it's just a prediction. So I'm not going to sit here and predict. I think it's possible either way. I know it's kind of a cop-out, but it's truly how I feel on it. I mean, what's the difference between one guy weighing in or the other? Uh, because at, at the end of the day, he's – you know, he's going to make his decision and and he's definitely close to the vest when, when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. I think to kind of wrap on this, you know, when you talk about NFL or college or what his future looks like, if there's not a huge buyout in this new deal, I mean, nothing would stop him from going. Cause there, there could always be a team, the Denver Broncos. I mean, it sounded like they were ready to give him 14, 15, maybe $16 million. If someone like the, the Las Vegas Raiders say, give you $18 million, $20 million, whatever it is. And the buyout's low. I mean, never say never, but I do think in his heart of hearts, he wants to see this through here. And now that they are so close to not only maybe winning a national title this year, but having this window where you can kind of kick the door open to stay in the conversation. I think that's, I mean, that's, that's as close to, you know, championship glory or, or whatever it is. It's, it's hard to build that in the NFL. I mean, you see it time and time again. You've kind of got, you know, for Harbaugh, you've got the burden hand at Michigan now where the culture's turned around. You feel like you've got the talent. You've got the guys in place to keep this sustainably moving forward. Pay the man what he wants or what he needs to feel. You know, at this point, basically the question you're asking if you're the University of Michigan, and you've said this before too, when we've talked both on here and off of here, it's, it's Michigan should be coming to Harbaugh asking him, what he needs to keep this program at the top of the Big Ten in the national conversation. And, you know, I'm kind of uneasy about the idea that you kind of have to administration sort of has to be bullied into having those discussions. But it is important that that it looks like this is going to get done. And, and hopefully if I had to put a timetable on it, it feels like either who knows, maybe you announce it during Michigan State week and rub the salt in the wound if that's what it is, or maybe it's during the bye week, but it does feel like before this November stretch of games, Michigan's going to have its head coach locked up, at least on paper, for the foreseeable future at a rate that he deserves. So any other final thoughts on the Harbaugh stuff? Yeah, I think the bye week would be the time to do it. Um, you know, no need going into a road game against the in-state rival to, you know, kind of do that. I'd, I'd say keep the focus on the game, unless they do it this week, because Indiana, I mean, it's Indiana. They're, they're terrible this year. Um, and it was funny. I was I walked into Schenbeckler Hall today for the press conference. I'm talking to our buddy Isaiah Hull from Wolverine's Wire. And, you know, I knew it was Indiana week, but 
you know, he brings up Indiana or something. I'm like, oh, that's right. They're playing Indiana. Um, you don't really <laughs> think much about this opponent. So we'll get more into it as the week goes on. But yeah, it, uh, this would be the week to do it, I think, or the bye week. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But good things are happening on that front. Finally, some tangible progress on that front instead of the rumors. And again, shout out to Chris for being all over it. Uh, if anyone tells you they were on it first, they weren't. So that's just kind of almost Chris does. There. Yeah. Chris, yeah, unless Chris does, of course. But uh, let's move into I, I want to talk about the college football weekend at large. And it was kind of, you know, this is the time of year we talked about this, Clay, too, where week five, week six, those are separation Saturdays. That's where you start to show who you are, what you're made of. You know, if you're, are you a team that was full of the, you know, Sam Hartman was, Hartman was the September Heisman Trophy winner. And now Notre Dame is kind of, uh, you know, lost two of their last three games. And teams like Michigan, teams like Georgia, you hear the national narrative. Oh, well, the, uh, or Georgia struggling to pull away or Michigan hasn't played anybody. Georgia comes out and it's best, best performance of the year. I believe it was 51, 13 over Kentucky, Michigan continues to just butcher teams week in and week out. We saw their best performance of the season on Saturday at Minnesota and you know, Texas. I'm not throwing a whole lot of stock into Texas, you know, Texas being down. I think that that's, they could easily win out and beat Oklahoma in the big 12 title game. And I think they're still in that college football playoff conversation, but their spots been kind of swapped with Oklahoma for right now, Ohio state again, I, the score is not indicative of what that game looked like to me on paper, but uh, some changes in the top five, changes in the top 10. But to me right now, this was the first Saturday where I felt like the two teams that everyone were hyping the most coming into the season, being Georgia and Michigan, looked like the teams that a lot of people thought would be on a collision course throughout the year. Yeah, they look like on a, you know on another level. And it's kind of funny because it is – you know it. Michigan's doing what it's supposed to do, and it's really doing more than that, uh, which has been so impressive. I mean, what they're, what, 18-point favorites against Minnesota, and they go out and win by 42. They, they destroy Nebraska. That was another um, – it was at an 18-point spread as well, 19 by game time, and, you know, they win by 38. So they're doing what they're supposed to do. You can't blame them for it. In fact, you have to give them credit for it. And I think I said this last week too, but sometimes when people talk about Michigan's schedule, they just kind of bash the schedule. But it's like Michigan's getting – bashed for being so much better than teams they play in their own conference, especially the last three weeks. Now there are better teams in the conference, so it's just a backloaded schedule. It's just kind of one of those freak things, but uh, you know, you got to give them credit for that as well. But Georgia, you know, looked pretty good from what I saw. We had the, uh, had the second screen going up in the press box, trying to watch some of that game as well. And, you know, shout out to me for picking Kentucky to cover that spread on last week's podcast. That was not a great pick by me, but um you know, uh, I feel like it's kind of those two teams, you know, again, we talked about it last week with Florida State, you know, some of their wins don't look as good right now as they did at the time, you know, Florida or uh, Oklahoma gets that win over Texas. And I agree with you, they kind of flip spots. I mean, Oklahoma is now kind of the more dangerous team there. They have one of the best wins in college football, but Texas is still alive. Um, but we're starting to see, you know, the the top teams dwindle a little bit. I mean, USC is lingering there. A Pac-12 team could get in, but man, they almost lose to Jed Fish in Arizona, and uh, almost did everything they could to lose that game late, late Saturday night. So, 
it's going to be really interesting down the stretch with Michigan's kind of gauntlet there. There are three games at the end against Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. But until then, they're doing everything that they're supposed to to, to do, and then some. Uh, and you know, you got to give them got to give them a lot of credit for it because that is, I mean, that is just like they make this thing look easy. But it, but we know it's not. You know, we've watched a lot of football. We've watched a lot of Michigan football. It's not easy to do what this team is doing uh so you know it's it's pretty impressive uh but i think you know in michigan kind of held steady there you look at the ap poll i think 11 first place votes they had 12 the week before but it, it does feel like those are the two two teams that everyone's kind of looking at at this point georgia schedule is not that hard either i mean kentucky wasn't expected to be ranked when they played and, and we'll see where they end up but georgia has a pretty easy schedule here as well and it may not be tested really until the the sec championship game yeah, Georgia has games in November against Ole Miss and Tennessee. Maybe that, I mean, just given the way at times that Georgia has played down a competition, maybe there's maybe there's a chance they get tripped up somewhere there. But I'm with you. I think that they look – they look. I mean, Carson Beck was terrific on Saturday. They look like they found that next gear. And, and Michigan looks like it's not just found it's this next, next gear. Every week is just kind of built on itself. And for me, like I said – Jim Harbaugh doesn't schedule the games. The football team doesn't schedule the games. That's an administrative thing. And all you can really do is, is play the teams that are in front of you. I mean, you look at the schedule a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, just say, just, let's just say you look at it in 2021. Um, even though it was fraudulent, you, you were looking at maybe playing a Michigan State team that was on the rise and a Nebraska team that you, know, you thought that breakout was right around the corner under Scott Frost. And Indiana – was a Big Ten East, maybe not a legitimate contender, but playing much better than they are, much more talented. Northwestern, they they too. Northwestern. So you you look at you look at the schedule and with how good Michigan is, I mean, all you can really do, it's about how you look. And it's the sixth week in a row where your starters aren't really even playing in the fourth quarter. Um, you haven't given up a point in the third quarter yet, and that speaks to. I think continuing to find that gear coming out of the locker room. Uh, Jim Harbaugh said that on Monday too, when he was asked about Jesse Minter is that, you know, these, these second half adjustments they're making, it's not a fluke because we've seen it now for what uh, math is hard. This is 20 games of Jesse Minter that we've seen him coming out of the locker room, making these adjustments, making sure you, you get in there and have a productive session of correcting and, and coaching guys up that's that's legitimate and that's for real. Um, so I look at the way that this team is playing right now. And again, the schedule just kind of sets up the way it does. But you're telling me right now that this team, the way this team handles its business and knowing that there is still so much more to unlock. Uh, and this will go into a segment we talked to uh, talk about in a little bit. But like I said, I think a couple weeks ago, or at least coming out of the Bowling Green game, maybe even coming out of the Rutgers game, we say, these next two weeks are going to be very telling about what this team is because you you find out a lot when you go on the road. Uh, your offensive line has to come together, your communication has to be better, and everything. The last two weeks have been has been pitch perfect. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, any other final thoughts when you look at the new top five? I mean, I get Ohio State in three at three. Fine, I guess. I probably would have put Oklahoma there. Just swapped them with Texas, um, Florida State. I think that. The more and more we see LSU play, that win doesn't look quite as good as it did 
early on in the season, and I'm not crazy about Clemson either. I think I said that a few weeks ago, but uh, Oregon and Washington remain interesting. I believe they play this weekend. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So a lot of football still to be played. And like I said, you look at Texas, they're going to be right in that conversation at the end of the year too. But uh, any other, and also USC, uh, they're fun to watch, but they just play Mac level defense. Yeah, they do. So does LSU. Um, how would you rank the top two at this point? If you had a vote. I think I would still probably give the nod to Georgia just because they have, uh, you know, South Carolina is probably better than anyone Michigan has played. Uh, I think you could make the argument Kentucky's better than anyone that Michigan has played. Who else have they played? I just have their schedule. Um, I, I would still... I would still lean Georgia because uh, I don't know. It's tough, but it's I, very I tough Georgia for now. And it's, it's a coin flip, but and I could say Michigan and get all the likes and all the love here on the live stream. But I think until someone knocks Georgia off, you have to put them at number one. See, I don't know about that. I, I'm not doing it for the likes. I think I would put Michigan one. I, I would have put them one coming into the season. I think they've, they've kind of, you know, could, Continue to prove they're right there, and again, it's fl- it's splitting hairs. They're receiving votes. It doesn't really matter anyway. I mean, the poll is basically for publicity for the sport, and it certainly generates a lot of that. I mean, we're talking about it right now. Not that this is you know getting all that publicity for college football, but um, sure it is. I, I just I like Michigan as as the number one team. I, I truly think that they're the best team in the country that I've seen play this year. Um, and they have the chance to prove it. So it's all going to be a moot point at, at, at some point here, you know, in November. But, um, you know, I think we kind of judge some of this stuff, but different criteria when it goes from one to two. And then like you said, Ohio state, yeah, whatever at three, but um, you know, for the, and they have a good win against Notre Dame, which doesn't look as good, but you know, you, you could kind of fault them for struggling in, in certain games, just like you know, maybe I would Georgia. So um, there's, it's very unscientific. It's very imperfect, but I, I would go with Michigan. I think at one, so hit the like button people. Come on. <laughs> I mean, they're right there too. In like SP plus has Michigan one, Georgia two. You know some of the rankings have them flip flopped, but yeah, I, I think what what's become apparent over the last, certainly this weekend is that I think it, it looks like those two teams and everyone else right now. Um, and, and the thing is like with Michigan, it's a question of what your upward trajectory is. I mean, was that the best game that Georgia will play all year or is that the start of something for them? Whereas Michigan, I think we know that there's a lot more to unlock there. I mean, they're still not as healthy as you'd like to see in the secondary. Um, Offensively, I still think run game has some improvements it can make. still lock in that offensive line just a little bit more. But the fact that we are talking. Yeah, the standard is so high. I mean, they played so well. But I, I mean, I agree with you. I think they could be better. Which is amazing yeah. to say. Um, but think of this, though. I mean, J.J. McCarthy has attempted four passes in the fourth quarter. The season is halfway over with, the regular season. He's four for four, by the way. He completed all of them against Rutgers. He has played in only one fourth quarter and only part of it before they took the starters out then. I mean, that's it's unheard of what they're doing. And I understand. I think if you look at SP Plus or whatever metric Bill Connolly for ESPN, the stats guru, goes by they haven't played anyone better than 58th in the country in that but i mean still that's just 
it's absolutely unprecedented. They turned the ball over four times in a game and won by 25. I mean, in Bowling Green, you know, they beat Georgia Tech. And then who did – in Georgia Tech just beat Miami. I mean, transitive property doesn't necessarily work. But, I mean, what they're doing is is absolutely incredible. Yeah, and there's so much – like like we said, there's, there's so much more room to improve. And I think that's – that's just where we're at right now. So we'll see. I mean, I think right now it's in the eye of the beholder that these things will continue to play themselves out on paper, but we'll see what happens. Uh, exciting times here. And and it's crazy to say that coming off a 52 to 10 win that you have more that you could even unlock and bring to the table. So I uh, want to pause for a minute to do a little more housekeeping. Uh, we have a new advertiser on our podcast tonight. It's Barry Gallagher. Uh, Barry has written a book. It's called Lloyd Carr's Michigan Football Journey. Millions of Michigan Wolverine football fans loved Coach Lloyd Carr as much as he loved the University of Michigan. Barry's insightful book details on how an interim coach stepped up for the Michigan Wolverines and won his way into the College Football Hall of Fame. Lloyd Carr's Michigan Journey tells a complete story of Carr's 28-year journey, 15 years as an assistant, of course, and 13 as a head coach to bring Michigan football back to national prominence and how he kept it there. Coach Carr's incredible work gave Michigan football fans one of the greatest eras in the school's magnificent football history. No losing seasons in 13 years, one national title, five Big Ten championships, and six bowl wins, the most in Michigan football history. Lloyd Carr won with integrity, and no Michigan coach is associated with more program victories than Lloyd Carr. This book gives you a comprehensive look at the amazing uh, the amazing Michigan career of Lloyd Carr. It's full of original research, charts, tables, and more that illustrate how and why Lloyd Carr became a college football coaching legend. Rich Hewlett, one of Carr's first players at Michigan, wrote a heartfelt forward that sets the tone for a closer look at one of college football's great coaches. So, uh, in order to check out Barry Gallagher's book, Lloyd Carr's Michigan Football Journey, head on over to Amazon.com or to the MDen.com. Uh, again, shout out to Barry Gallagher and check out his book, Lloyd Carr's Michigan Football Journey, available today at Amazon or MDen.com. So I think we this is where we kind of take that last topic and spin it into what's next for Michigan Clayton before we get into the questions to end the show. And when you're as good as Michigan is, and as we expected them to be, you kind of look to the margins for where this team can improve and things that you want to see them expand on and, and where things go next. But, and it's kind of crazy to, to have this conversation coming off the win that they just had, uh, but it wasn't without it, without its share of warts too. And we're halfway through the season. It's a good stop regular season. I should say, I don't want to get corrected on that. Could play 15 games. So Clayton, I ask you this, and maybe we go offense, defense, special teams. So we'll start on offense. Where's an area where you think that this Michigan team can continue to take that next level over the next six weeks of the regular season? Yeah, I mean, part of all of this is just kind of keep doing what you're doing. I would say for one, this is this is pretty darn good. As we said, it's at an elite level. It's at pretty much an unprecedented level in terms of the margins they're winning by. I mean, to win all six games by 24 or more points is incredible offensively. I mean, I would say uh, I've been a little more high. Uh, I've been higher on the run game and the run blocking. I think than than a lot of people that even goes back to the UNLV game when I didn't think it was as bad as, as a lot of people thought. So I, I think, you know, that's, that's at a, a good spot, but I think you can get better. And really you're only in, you're coming off your second game 
with this new offensive line combination with Ladarius Henderson at left tackle, Carson Barnhart swinging over to the right side. And by the way, Barnhart, I thought, had a, a great game. And if you go back and watch Blake Corum's 40-yard run along the sideline there, Carson Barnhart, I mean, he's not faster than Blake Corum, but he's got some wheels. He was down there hitting guys. Um, so I think the offensive line has played well. The tight ends have been incredible blocking. Uh, we'll have an article up on that this week with some uh, with some film study just showing how dominant A.J. Barner and Max Bredesen have been. Uh, but, yeah, you can improve in the run blocking. I think, you know, it's funny, too, because they come out of this game and Jim Harbaugh, one of the, the things he said that he would have liked to be a little bit better uh, when he was talking on Saturday night was, you know, yeah, we missed a couple third down conversions. They still went five for ten on third down. If that was the, if 50% conversion rate was their season total, that would rank 14th in the country. They're currently, I think, fourth in the country at close to 60%. So we're really talking the margins, as you said. But, you know, they had a couple drops there. I think we'll continue to see what this receiving core looks like against some of the better competition later on in the year. Um, do have, you know, a little bit of worry that, that they're going to be able to create some of that separation. But you keep repping it, keep, it impro- uh, keep improving there. Um, so it's, it's kind of just do what you're doing at a really high level, just a little bit better um, uh, on the offensive side. But curious what you know, your thoughts on that too. Yeah. For me, I think it's, this is the stat of the day to me. And I, I just looked this up. I did not prepare this ahead of time. Uh, at show prep on my part, but we'll do it live. <laughs> we'll do it live. Donovan Edwards, 51 carries 177 yards this year. He's averaging 3.5 yards per carry. Kalel Mullings, 23 yeah. carries 147 yards this year. He's averaging 6.4 yards per carry. He has 28 less carries that Donovan Edwards does and is only 30 rushing yards behind him. Uh, to me, it is clear that, and I'm not advocating that Donovan Edwards workload is, is dialed back. I think that at some point there's going to be some kind of progression to the mean for him. And I think the longer we go without seeing him score a touchdown or seeing him have that big breakout game, which God, he should have had a touchdown on Saturday night, but he was, um, yeah, he was damn, damn close. It was really close on TV. Uh, but yeah. I'll say this. Kalel Mullings, it, this isn't just, a, oh, well, look, he's had a couple nice games. Would you would you look at that? He is running with a lot of juice right now. And it seems like, I mean, when he ran that first time we saw him, was it last year's spring game? And you're like, well, yeah. you know, this guy's got a little bit of wiggle to him. But guys, I'm telling you right now, and I'm not saying that this is who he winds up becoming, but there is a lot of, you know, late stage Hassan Haskins in that guy's game right now. And I would like to con- continue to see him explored as, as maybe, you know, it's a timeshare in terms of who's that, that backup running back uh, Edwards right now. I think the last two weeks we've seen him, you know, take strides. I think he's running harder the last two games that we saw him in the first four games, but you know, still Edwards longest rush of the season is still only 14 yards. I think Mullings has proven that, He's more than just a short yardage back. And I think in order for this this rush, I, I think you can actually maybe help Donovan Edwards by taking a little of that pressure off him. So I would like to see this maybe transform into more of a three-headed monster. I, I, and I think we're seeing it, you know, more and more. What he did late in that Rutgers game, I think, opened some eyes. And then, you know, you start to hear stuff throughout that next week that it, it did open some eyes in that building, you know, that they felt like this was coming and that, he finally showed it in a game, and not finally. I mean, he had he had done some good things in the past, and credit to him for coming over to offense midseason last year. But he looks he looks like a legitimate running back now. 
uh, I totally agree with you. And I think we're going to see more of him. And I think what Donovan Edwards has done the last couple of weeks, improving, running a little bit harder has worked. So he'll continue to see time, but you know, you watch him. I think there was a, a sequence on Saturday when he had a run for, for three, four yards, but then it's, it's third down, I think. And JJ finds him over the middle on just uh, a little kind of curl, you know, against the zone and he makes a move on a guy. And I mean, he just looks so much more natural after he catches the football and he's kind of more in the open field than he does as a runner. And and I think he is a good runner. I think he's better than he's shown this year, but you know, I think as the year goes along, I mean, when they get in those bigger games, we've seen it and we know what it looks like. There there are going to be some defined roles for these guys. And I think they'll all buy in. And I think we're going to see a healthy dose of all of them, as you said. Yeah. Other than that, no notes on offense for me. I think you can, they continue to do a really nice job of taking what defenses give them. I think that JJ being able to run the football or at least being more yeah. decisive there is a game changer for them. Um, you know, it's, I think that's just kind of, it, it opens, maybe it doesn't make your offense more explosive, but I think it makes it more demoralizing when you have a quarterback that can pick up yards with his legs. You've got, I think enough playmaking at wide receiver and tight end uh, between Roman Wilson uh, and Colston Loveland and, and those other guys mixing him just, they can attack you in so many different ways. And I think that that's been great to see. would love to see the more of it uh, defensively now. And this is where we really start nitpicking Clayton, but is there something defensively you think this team can do to take that next step? Yeah. I mean, I think, we saw it with Minnesota, got a little bit of success early on in the game running the football, but Michigan really tightened up. And it was really the first time that anyone had run on the first team defense. So I wasn't overly worried about that. And even then, they only had 47 yards on the ground on that one drive, which is a lot for one drive. But, um, you know, Michigan really tightened up. Uh, I'd just say it continues to be the pass defense, you know, and I think it'll improve as guys get more healthy. You know, I think Will Johnson, he said he would consider himself 100%. I wouldn't expect him to say anything different, obviously. But he, he looked even better on Saturday night, I thought, than he had in the, in the weeks prior. So I think he's getting more up to speed. And I thought Rod Moore, I mean, he didn't notice a ton of what he did. He honestly almost had an interception on one third down when they dropped KG and Rayshon Benny into coverage on one of those exotic mentor. Actually, I think Rayshon almost got a pick too. He had the, he had the break up there. But, uh, you know, Rod Moore was right in that mix. I think we're going to see him make a couple plays here um, as they go forward. They did allow that deep ball, the 35-yarder to Daniel Jackson with six seconds left in the second quarter. Jim Harbaugh said they should have been in more of a prevent. Three safeties deep instead of, um, you know, they were in cover two, Keon Sab late getting over. So it's, it's something like that. You got to be in the right defense. But, I mean, that's kind of a one-off. With this, with this group, uh, especially with how good of a job they're coaching this defense. But still, I mean, I think Mikey Sanders still could have been a little bit better in coverage there. He does get a little erratic in coverage at times. You know, Josh Wallace doesn't feel like he's been totally tested a ton since that Bowling Green game, but you still worry a little bit about how, how he'll hold up. That's only his third game against Big Ten competition this year after transferring in from UMass. So there, I wouldn't say there are, there are many concerns, but there are some things you can shore up and some things, you know, some question marks that still linger as you go throughout the season. But uh, as I think we talked about it pretty extensively last week. I mean, they have time here to build up and ramp up, get guys reps, you know, build that depth. What was it, 73 or 74 guys that traveled 
last week. Shout out to Greg Tarr. Too bad he didn't get in the game as a long snapper. But, I mean, that's a lot of guys. I know some of it's garbage time, but they got guys that can go in now uh, and make plays. So that that's really going to help, I think, down the stretch too. Guys are fresh. But also if, if a guy does get burned, you can bring somebody else in and, and he could maybe be the next man up. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just think it's – to me, it's mostly the secondary – and the pass defense, and if the pass rush is elite enough to do it against the best teams, that's what I'm still waiting for. But so far, it's been it's been pretty darn good. Uh, respect to Greg Tar. Uh, I yeah, apparent disrespect from the coaching staff. Can't believe he didn't get out there. You you can't let that happen. One guy Throw doesn't play extra point or something. Yeah, yeah. Come on, or put him out there for the kneel down or what? I don't know what the situation was, but. Uh, yeah, shout out to Greg Tarr, uh, young man. Your time will come. So, and he played a lot uh, last year. So he did play a lot last year. I just thought it was interesting. He shows up on TV as the graphic, as the one guy that didn't get in there. But yeah, um, I don't have a whole lot to add defensively. I think that you're you're on point with the secondary, uh, especially when you play a team like Ohio State. I mean, uh, apparently they're going to keep trying to puff their chest out and show how tough they are and try to run the football. But maybe Ryan Day wakes up eventually and realizes that they have. Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Abuka, and they'll be try and be what they are, and you're going to need your cornerbacks to play better if that's the case. But uh, in the here and now, yeah. you just you just take what you know. Those guys are playing pretty well, and this is about the time of year too where we see someone kind of come out of not nowhere. Uh, DJ Turner midseason was the guy that emerged last year. Will Johnson by necessity had to emerge late last year, so we'll see if maybe someone emerges from that. Romorian Walker is back. Uh, and, and working his way back in there. So who knows? Maybe someone comes out and takes the reins, but I think that Josh Wallace has been steady there. And I'll go to special teams now just because we need, we do need to move into questions here before we get out of here. But I think we're kind of both in lockstep on this one, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but punt returner, right? Yeah, but, I mean, I was thinking about this actually last night when I was rewatching. I, I got through the first half before I just got way too tired and, had to end it there. Um, I mean, Jake Todd, he's done fine, especially since uh, early on in the year when he had a couple of those that he should have fielded. I think he's learned from that. Tyler Morris has been really good, too. I liked him. It was a little risky. I know the broadcast called him out for that, you know, when he picked up that one that was rolling, but and then he kind of spun away from it. I mean, that was that was perfect, and he saved some hidden yardage there. So, I I mean, I know at some point you want to settle on one guy, but I'm, I'm not as down on – that platoon right now as I was maybe a few weeks ago. Yeah, it hasn't really cost him. Uh, if anything, it's been, it was the kickoffs where they had those issues against Bowling Green. So yeah, uh, not a whole lot to add there either. So uh, what do you think, Clay? Time to take some questions? Let's do it. I will say, while you're pulling them up, Tommy Doman, man, made his first mistake of the year, kicks it out of bounds. But Yeah, Jim was pissed too. You could see it on TV that he was kind of gave him an earful on whatever it was, but uh yeah, I think I'll start with one. We'll start with one from the board from Jacob Sherba, our buddy. It says, with a presumably comfortable lead in the second quarter against Indiana, do you see any possibility of some stubborn multiple run plays in a row trying to garner some volume and rhythm for Donovan Edwards? It's always seemed that he's needed more carries to get into gear and was splitting carries three ways among Corum, Edwards, and Mullings. I wonder if his reduced volume is keeping him from finding his stride so far. I could see it. I could see it. I definitely think, again, they're they're prioritizing. What does Blake Corum have? Eighty three carries or eighty four? I mean, that is 
and he or he's almost at 500 yards. So, I mean, he's close to being on pace to getting a thousand, but they're kind of spreading things out, especially when they have a big lead. I think we could see that with Donovan Edwards and Mike Hart said last week that it is hard sometimes to get in a rhythm when you're not getting the carries, you know, someone said, have you ever had a down stretch in your career? And he said, well, I was getting the ball 40 times a game. So, you know, you may have a couple of plays that don't go your way, but when you're getting that type of opportunity and he was damn good, obviously humility prevents him from, from mentioning that he's Michigan's all time leading rusher, but uh, you know, sometimes that can play a factor. So I could definitely see that trying to get him in the rhythm a little bit. And it is funny how it's just some presumed thing that they're going to be, they're going to be up comfortably in the second quarter of the Indiana game. It's, it's amazing what it's come to, but I, I agree. I mean, they should be up pretty big early. You would hope so. And again, the season always provides opportunities for you to start slow. And Indiana, weirdly at times, plays this team tough, especially in the first half of some of these games. So we'll see. They've played a little bit better of late. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. It seemed like there have been series in the last few games where they've been like, all right, Donovan, this is your series. We're going to try and get you going. And they, God, like I said, yeah, I, th- they said I thought the- it was going to... Go ahead. No, I just I, I'll go back to I thought for sure he was getting that touchdown on. Uh, shout out to Colston Loveland. He got he got one on the board first before yeah. Donovan Edwards did. So that's true. That was a question last week. I was going to say Mike Hart said last week that the third series of every game, Donovan's the starter. Um, so yeah, I mean I, I think there are definitely times when they're like, okay, let's get him in some rhythm because it's not it's not necessarily beneficial to just have him come in for a play here, a play there. So I think that's. That's kind of a smart way that they're that they're handling it. For sure. Uh, let's go to we had a super chat first from GoBlue982 for two dollars who said, What's the hang up with the Jim Harbaugh contract? U of M is going 13 and 0 again. Uh holdup has been <laughs> what you know, the the writing is very much on the wall for what the holdup has been. Um administration hasn't felt like it until they got a push recently. So I don't know what else to add to that one, but it does go into a super chat for nine 99. We got from Nick who says ward manual, not getting a contract extension done with Harbaugh is absurd. Combine this with many other blunders that have occurred under his watch and other sports manual is a disgrace. Uh, there are two ways to look at this. Uh, the first is all of the ways that you did uh, the argument for the good things that he's done. I guess would be he didn't fire Jim Harbaugh and they they had a year a couple of years ago where they were winning a lot of big 10 titles. Obviously now Olympic sports have kind of taken a bit of a downswing uh, over the last few years, but you know, there are merits to, you know, what he's done well at Michigan, but I do think, and I said this on Thursday's show, when you look at this Harbaugh situation, you know, John Beeline leaves under his watch, Eric Backage leaves under his watch and people will argue those guys we're going to leave regardless, but uh, it, set, it seemed like there was a tentativeness uh, on Michigan's part in retaining them. And then the Mel Pearson situation, the interim stuff with uh, Brandon Narado last year was super odd. So I, I'll just say this because I'm not going to roast the guy uh, that's for you guys to do. I think if you're a fan that's irritated with him, I think you are justified in being so. Yeah, I mean, especially with the the Harbaugh contract situation. I mean, it's ongoing. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've we've talked about a different Jim Harbaugh contract situation since he's been here. Really, my entire career covering this team, there's been kind of that lingering thing. So, you know, I understand the frustration. You know, I'm not willing to go as far as as Nick did there, but obviously, everyone's entitled to their own opinions, and it's high stakes here. I mean, and I think Ward Manuel understands that, and he has done a lot of good things at this university. So. 
Um, yeah, I mean, people are, can feel how they feel, but I, I think that mainly people want to get this thing wrapped up soon, and it, it seems like that's going to happen. Hopefully it does. So we'll see where things go from there. Uh, Desmond Williams says, Beeline was leaving anyways. You can't see that, Broom, and he got you, Jawan Howard. Um, okay. <laughs> that's my response, my official response. He to probably that. would have left anyway, but I think – the point that a lot of people have made, and we don't have to rehash. I mean, we don't have to talk about John Beeline leaving. That was uh, what over four years ago now. Is that you do everything you possibly can when you have elite talent like this? Everything you possibly can to keep these guys, even if they do have other aspirations, like John Beeline did with trying to trying to take the next step. He had coached at every other level in basketball, really, and wanted to take the the shot at the NBA. But I think. You know, there, there are things you can do to make sure, hey, I did everything I can. And same with Eric Package, same with Jim Harbaugh, as we've seen him almost leave a couple times, and especially once. So I think that's kind of the point most people are, are making. And maybe they would have left anyway, but I think you got to do everything you possibly can. Yeah. And again, there are people that think that John Beeline was going to go regardless. And I think that John, uh, John Beeline was ready to, John Beeline was ready to leave. So he did. And that's kind of what that boils down to. So, I don't know. Um, not gonna, not gonna really hone in on that one too much. This is a simple one from John Stacy, who says, "Do we trust James Turner?" And right now, I say yes. Yeah, I mean that's a. Uh, <laughs> I, I do too. I, I think he's he's been good. He's been quietly good. He hasn't had many opportunities. They haven't kicked many field goals. He made the I think thirty-one yarder. Is that right? On Saturday, um, and. I think that first game was an anomaly. I mean, coming out of that game, I was like, okay, he kicks the ball low. We know that. But I think since we haven't seen that. So I think I think you trust James Turner. You don't trust him to the extent that Jake Moody, that you did with him, um, especially on the longer kicks. But I think right now you trust James Turner and you know you hope he can get a few more reps. But then again, you want the offense to keep moving and, and finish drives, which they have been. One of the top in the country at touchdown percentage in the red zone. Uh, and they've done a really good job. So... Yeah, I, I think I, I trust him to an extent. I mean, he's definitely one of the better kickers I've seen in the Big Ten so far. I trust him right now. Uh, extra points have been pretty good. He's had the few a few mixed missed kicks, but they were longer, you know, of the longer variety, anyways. And like I said, I think that um, you know it's similar to Michigan's pass rushers from you know when you go from David Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson to what they've had is that. Those guys before just set a huge standard, and Jake Moody might be the best kicker Michigan's ever had. So, yeah. um, through the lens of you, you look around college football and you watch guys miss some pretty routine kicks across the country. I still think Michigan is in fairly good hands there. Uh, time for a few more. Uh, this one's from Glenn Smith, who says, "Where is Alex Orgy? Is he just that far back in depth?" And Clay, you were obviously you were there Saturday. I don't believe he made the trip. Uh, you no. could maybe correct me on that, but. I think that they've been tra- they've been traveling four quarterbacks and he is not one of them. And I think that simple math would dictate that's where he is in that pecking order. I don't know that I don't know that there's really a spot out there for him right now. So. Yeah, so I mean he hasn't been listed on the availability report as questionable or out. Obviously, you'd be out if you didn't make the trip and you were hurt. Um Unless they don't, unless they're not mandated to put those guys on there, I don't know 100% on that. It's something we should probably find out. 
because there were a few guys that were listed as out like Zeke Barry, who then didn't make the trip. So that's kind of a confusing one there, especially with this being a new rule. Uh, but yeah, he did not travel. He was not one of the four. So my guess, and this is not a hundred percent, but my guess is that he's just running fifth right now in the, in the pecking order. We'll take this last one and I'm not sure to, 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 to where to go uh, from Newber. He says, are you concerned about next year with the schedule and how much talent Michigan would be losing? Well, first off, schedule is loaded regardless. I think if you come out of that schedule with nine or ten wins, that's a pretty darn good season. And, and if you're really good, maybe you have more than that. But it's kind of impossible to say. I mean, yeah, if Michigan loses everyone, it's going to be an uphill battle. But we know there's going to be a one-more-year fund again. I think defensively, they should be pretty close to what they look like right now. And... uh I don't know. Offensively, it all kind of depends on what your quarterback situation looks like, Clay. Yeah, they lose a lot of talent, I would say, offensively, but you still bring a decent amount back. You know, you, you're going to have to get some new pieces in there on the offensive line. Defensively, they bring back a lot. And, you know, we'll see decisions with guys like Rod Moore and, you know, Makari Page has a, a COVID year and on and on. But, you know, Junior Colson is a guy that's on, you know, probably on the fence and stuff like that. But you still bring a lot back. That sophomore class defensively between Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, Will Johnson, you know, and others, Keon Sab has really emerged. You have a lot of talent. So I'm, I'd be concerned. I mean, concern, I've always said this concern is not a bad thing to have. I mean, I think the coaches will be concerned. The players will be concerned. That means it's important. But uh, I, I think that they're going to have a decent amount of talent here and they're going to fill some holes like they did last offseason with the transfer portal. And quarterback is going to be huge there. If JJ leaves, which is not a guarantee. It's just, it's week six of 2023. So it's so hard to tell what could happen between exactly. now and then. Yeah. Uh, Going to have to take this last one from GoBlue982 with a $2 super chat. If U of M wins the national championship, which coaches get called away? I think that uh, when you success breeds success, you know, if Michigan does well, Sharon Moore is going to get calls. Jesse Minner is probably going to get calls from the NFL. Um, who knows? Maybe with a new contract, Jim Harbaugh gets calls from the NFL. So, yeah, if you win at all, I mean, teams are going to want to look to replicate what that secret sauce is. So, again, it's one of those things where it's it's super hard to speculate on who that could be. Yeah, it is. I mean, th- those guys you mentioned, you would assume are going to have options, get calls. And that's just what happens when you're an elite program. You look at Alabama, the, the staff turnover over the years under Nick Saban and then his ability to hire. And luckily, we've watched – Jim Harbaugh do this for a long time now. He has a great track record hiring coaches. So, um, you know, you would you would trust that he'll do that again. But it's a great problem to have when you're trying to retain great coaches. Uh, that is that is certainly the case. All right. Well, that's a good place to leave it for tonight. Uh, one last one from Nick for Dollar Ninety Nine says Ryan Day wishes he could grow a beard like it's Anthony. true. The problem the problem with Ryan Day is that uh, he can grow a beard. He just needs all the shoe polish in the world to keep it jet black so i don't he can have use caldera and plus he can he could do that with the beard oil and you know i got a little bit of gray in here and i'm not ashamed of it either we love we love a good silver fox so um yeah ryan day he, he can ryan day can't guard me when it comes to the beard battle but that's a good place for us to end uh get in on the wolverine for a dollar for your first month of premium access be sure to like and subscribe to our youtube channel uh lots of great content coming out uh, over the next several weeks with football season ramping into high gear. Uh, Clayton, thank you so much for your time. Guys, thank you mu- uh, so much for the, the great questions, the comments, the interaction throughout. 
the we will be back on Thursday to preview the game uh, against Indiana with Chris. And of course, back here every Monday night at 6 p.m. to chat the Monday that was and take your questions. So for Clayton Safey, for our producer Megan behind the scenes, I'm Anthony Broom. Thanks for tuning in. We will talk to you again soon. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.